Ready? Born ready. Episode of 2022. I'm Saba Long. You're tuning into your favorite political podcast, Where to Party At. As you can tell, I am back in the studio. COVID did not defeat me, I defeated it. That's how you start the new year. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe to get the latest and greatest. If you're returning, uh, you were with us last year. Welcome back. Thank you for rocking with us. We greatly appreciate it. I'm wishing all of you peace and prosperity in this new year. I went and got my greens and black eyed peas to start the year on the first. So I'm ready for all the money and all the good luck. All right. We did not record the final week of December. So I uh, hope you didn't miss us too much, but I did. I mentioned I survived Omicron. I went almost two whole years without the doggone COVID, but I got it in the end. At least it wasn't Delta. Delta was a little crazy. Um, But let's be real. I mean, half of Atlanta either had COVID or has COVID. Um, I mean, seriously, I knew about 20 people personally who had a COVID Christmas, so... Let me just say something about this. Um, Let me vent for a second. So friends in Europe, you know, I've talked to like friends in Germany, some other countries, they're able to buy a COVID rapid test as easily as they buy a cup of coffee. If it's not already like free to them where they just go pick it up. Right. Meanwhile, in America, trying to find a rapid test is like trying to buy a new pair of Yeezys. Like it's just hard to find. It's like impossible. And then... You buy the doggone box, right? It's 20-something bucks in America. If you're buying the box overseas, it's only a couple dollars. So you want folks to get tested regularly, and they can't find doggone tests, and then they got to pay for the test. And you only get two in the box in America. You get seven in the box in Europe, five or seven. So now the Biden administration, they said, All right, insurance companies are now going to reimburse you for your COVID tests if you have to buy it over the counter. But, like, let's be real. How long is that process going to take? When do you get your money back? It's just cumbersome. I was in an Uber a couple days ago, and the driver mentioned that she has never been tested for COVID. I'm like, we're going into year three. (laughs) Never, like, not once had a COVID test? And, like, so... That tells me there are thousands and thousands of people who have probably have it or have it or had it and they have no clue. And so the testing, the actual numbers are, you know, not accurate because there's just so many people. I'm like, are you scared of the result? I mean, like, why would you not get tested? This is weird. So that's my COVID beef. I'll probably mention something about the about COVID later in the show, but for now, that's what I'm gonna say on COVID. So 2022, it's here. This is going to be a bananas political year. 
So let's start with Atlanta, as we always do. So uh, Monday, the new mayor, new city council, new school board, and judges were all sworn in. So Keisha Lance Bottoms is no longer the mayor of Atlanta. You now have Mayor Andre Dickens. So the AJC did a goodbye interview with Keisha, and it was uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, as a whole, she left office with pretty high overall approval ratings. Uh, folks felt like she did a good job handling COVID, especially considering that she was dealing with a beef with Governor Kemp during the entire process. Uh, but once you kind of peel back the layer and talk about two key policy issues, crime and affordable housing, that picture of her popularity changes. So the AJC conducted a couple of polls last year during the mayor's race, and it showed that 70% of those polled disapproved of how she handled crime in the city. Now, by the way, Atlanta ended the year with 160 homicides, which is the highest <laughs> since 1996. It's a real problem. Um, and then on affordable housing, 62% of those polled said they were not satisfied with the mayor's progress on tackling affordable housing. There's talk that the city just isn't being aggressive enough in pursue, preserving current affordable housing and then also building new affordable housing. Uh, plus, when we talk about affordable housing, there's not enough of what's called deeply affordable, right? So if you're thinking about okay, yes, a one-bedroom apartment at $1,300 might be deemed affordable, but realistically, that's not deeply affordable. Deeply affordable might be like $800 or $750, for example. So uh, in this AJC article, they interviewed Michael Julian Bond. He's the post to at-large city council member. If you listen to the show, you heard our episode with him on Who Runs Atlanta um, he's known Mayor Bottoms since they were kids, right? And so he said in this AJC interview what a lot of folks have been saying privately, but just never in public. And so for him to say this in public, I was just like, oh, okay. Um, so here's what he said, uh, that he was proud of the mayor's accomplishments, but that sometimes she would not work with people uh, who disagreed with her, right? And then he said an example of this is Buckhead, where, and here I quote, the seeds of the mayor's lack of involvement have now ended up blossoming into the Buckhead cityhood movement. And then he goes on to say, I think there's always going to be this lingering there that her local performance never matched the celebrity image. Some members of city council sh she was working with very closely. Others, if you didn't completely subscribe to her point of view, she would work with you less so. Again, this is Michael Julian Bond, someone who was, uh, grew up with the mayor, went to, went to high school with her. Um, so it's just kind of interesting that he, again, put that out there. Um, and he's clearly laying at her feet kind of what's happening with Buckhead Cityhood. The last interesting thing about this, mayor, about this uh, interview is that the mayor says to the AJC, we left the city intact for the next administration. I was like, what? I mean, that is the lowest of <coughs> bars that we left the city intact. I'm like, 
that's what you're supposed to do. Like, but how did you advance the city? What is your legacy? Um, it, it also sounds a bit ominous because this is really the question um, that Mayor Andre Dickens is going to deal with. Will he be able to keep the city intact? Is Buckhead going to secede? I mean, that's the big question, right? So I'm going to do some predictions a little bit later in the show, including on Buckhead. So keep listening on that. Uh, another interesting thing that has happened politically is the AJC, which is obviously the paper of record for Atlanta and really for the state. Um, they did this huge, they started the year by doing this huge spread on how Donald Trump and Republicans in Georgia tried to undermine the election results. <clears throat> so they put together timelines, they named names, and they just put all the pieces that we already know, they just put it in one huge story, one huge package. And again, this is how they started the year as far as their coverage goes. So why is this worth talking about? Why am I mentioning this? So just rewind the clock back a year. January 2nd, 2021, that was the day that Trump called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and asked him to find 11,780 votes that he would need in order to win Georgia. A couple days later, January 5th, 2021, was the Senate runoff. Of course, Warnock and Ossoff won, and that gave Democrats control of the United States Senate. And then January 6th, the day that I think will live in infamy, is the anniversary of the domestic terrorist attacks on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. So in about a week or so, the Georgia General Assembly is going to start the 2022 legislative session. We already know it's going to get a little crazy because this is an election year in Georgia and both parties are fighting for power. So the timing, again, of this AJC story is just really important, just help give you some context. You've got the anniversary of all these things that happen, plus you have the 22 election, which is going to be incredibly contentious. And some of the very folks, the very same players who had some role in attempting to help Trump overturn the election results in Georgia, these folks are now running for other offices this year. Okay, now I just want to remind you of what took place on January 6th and why this is such a key point in time in American history. You had 140 Capitol Hill and D.C. police officers injured in this attack. And this was all happening at a time where you had back the blue and this real emphasis on supporting police officers. At the same time, Trump supporters were actively attacking police officers. Just take a listen to this. I remember thinking there was a very good chance I would be torn apart or shot to death with my own weapon. Their harrowing account came with new and raw video. The violent mob of Trump supporters surging into the Capitol. This officer refusing to give ground even as one man punches the glass behind him. Sergeant Aquilino Ganell, who also served in Iraq, first to testify. In January 6th, for the first time, I was more afraid to work at the Capitol than my entire deployment to Iraq. 
Sergeant Gunnell said he thought he was going to die. Crushed by the mob, sprayed by chemicals. So, again, you have Trump supporters actively threatening the lives of police officers. You also just heard Trump supporters threatening the lives of both Nancy Pelosi and then Republican Vice President Mike Pence. So some of the folks, again, in Georgia who had some role in this, folks like Congressman Jody Heiss, uh, who after the riots and after the destruction, he still tried to challenge the results for Georgia, right? And Jody Heiss is now running in the Republican primary against Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State. Then you have former U.S. Senator David Perdue. Purdue called for Raffensperger to resign. Uh, he also signed on to a lawsuit challenging the election. Now, David Purdue is primarying Governor, uh, Governor Brian Kemp. So you've got two key people, and there are others. There are some who are considering runs for Congress, you know, looking at, again, primarying Republicans in their own party who did stand up and say this is wrong. The election was not stolen. And so this is, you know, this is a critical moment, not only for American democracy, but also for the Republican Party. So Trump, by the way, uh, is going to have a press conference in a couple of days. So it'll be just after you listen to this podcast. Uh, he's already given a preview of what he's going to say that and it's just as a repeat of last year and a repeat of everything he said um, really, the re repeat of everything he said over the past, what, 12 months or so. Uh, the election was stolen from him in that, you know, this is, you know, he wants vindication, right? That this isn't right. And what January 6th was not, uh, it was not an attack on America. Rather, it was people standing up for their beliefs. So again, you just heard that clip of the officer's who were under attack, just stressing how scared they were, um, just how threatening and, and crazy the situation was. So the fact that here we are a year later and it's like Republicans have decided to pick up a different book or it's like, don't believe your ears and eyes, right? What you saw, what you heard didn't really happen. Um, People were right to do what they did. It's it's no big deal. Uh, now, meanwhile, there's this bipartisan committee investigating January 6th, and they're supposed to be releasing their results in the few months. Um, and they've subpoenaed folks like Mark Meadows. He was Trump's chief of staff in the White House. And then you also have Steve Bannon, who is one of the original architects of Trump's campaign. And they've all refused to cooperate with this bipartisan committee and with the investigation. Uh, and this is exactly why you have so many people, and you will hear this again and again throughout 2022, uh, people, democracy experts, uh, professors, others, historians, ringing the alarm and warning us that the United States is absolutely wilding out right now. So that leads me to my predictions for 2022. I'm going to start with some that are Atlanta related, and then we're kind of going to go into this broader national and perhaps even international picture. And this is in no particular order other than it's just from a, generally from like Atlanta, Georgia to national. This isn't like a which one is more likely to happen than another. Some of these predictions are things that 
I, they may not happen, but I just hope that they happen. Uh, so we'll see. All right. Number one, Buckhead will not split from Atlanta, but not for the reasons that you think. Okay. I think the stay campaign is going to prevail uh, and Buckhead won't split. But the reason is because Bill White, who was the face of the Buckhead cityhood movement, he's just too racist and too right wing, even for Buckhead. Uh, it's one thing for black folks to call you racist, but when white people are calling a white person racist, there's a problem. And I think <laughs> Bill and his uh, you know desire to do everything Trumpian is going to end up hurting his cause. So ultimately, I don't think it will succeed, even if it gets to a vote in November. I think they'll be able to push back and say, this thing is about race and it's not about we want better city services. And examples of this include uh, the pro-Buckhead cityhood folks during Kwanzaa attacking Andre Dickens for supporting and posting about Kwanzaa. I mean, that's just one itty-bitty example of many. So, second, um, Atlanta and Georgia, and this is not a surprise for folks, Atlanta and Georgia will again, in 2022, be a place for climate change refugees. So, there will be... What happened to the we full? Yeah, well, Andre said we're not full, so we're not full. Dang. <laughs> So there will be more catastrophic events uh, that will impact places like California, New York, Louisiana, and yes, even coastal Georgia. I mean, just uh, a couple of days ago, Colorado experienced a 6,000 acre wildfire that destroyed a thousand homes. And the only reason why these wildfires finally, the fires went down is because they had a massive snowfall. And that's what helped uh, put the fires out. So we're going to see more stories like this in 2022, more storms. We had some crazy storms in Atlanta just the other day, more tornadoes, more fires. And all of this is going to uh, bring more and more people to the metro Atlanta area. Number three, this one's a little weird to some of you, but this is just my guessing here. Stacey Abrams campaign uh, for governor, will release an NFT. If you're not familiar with NFT, non-fungible token. I think this has actually become a standard for political, major political campaigns. I imagine we'll see this even in 2024 and beyond. Uh, more and more campaigns are going to use technology, whether it's virtual reality or platforms like Twitch or Clubhouse or other things to connect to people uh, connect with voters outside of those traditional ways, right? The traditional, oh, let's do a town hall, or I'm going to mail you a mailer. I'm going to put this commercial on uh, TV. I think Abrams in her gubernatorial race is going to do some really out-of-the-box uh, things. So that leads me to my next prediction that I'm kind of torn on. I keep going back and forth on this. Um, Sometimes I think it's possible for Brian Kemp to win the re-election for governor. And then for folks like uh, B. Wynn, who is an Asian American woman uh, running for secretary of state against Brad Raffensperger to win. It's 
it's super early. It's January. Who the heck knows what's going to happen six, seven months from now. Uh, but that's the whole point of predictions. You just have to call it and we'll see where the chips lie. So I do think that Democrats will win the governor's office in Georgia. But after they win, it is going to be a complete bleep show. Because Republicans are going to call for a special session and they are going to strip Democrats of as much power as they can in order to um, really hurt their chances of having transformative change as they come into office. So that's my guess on that. Um, another one, the price of everything will continue to rise and it will stay that way. So save your coins because I think inflation is going to get even worse and companies are going to take advantage of that and continue to raise prices on everyday goods and services. Another, uh, and this is really because of the pandemic, I think more and more families are going to start homeschooling their kids. Um, and it's because schools are having a hard time finding teachers. Like you got teachers that are just fed up with everything that happened with the pandemic. Parents are tired, tired of kind of dealing with this. We're going to do hybrid. We're going to do remote. We're going to go back to in-person. And it's just incredibly disruptive to the family life. And I think a lot of families are just going to start banding together and, and doing homeschooling. So you might have, you know, 10 families within a neighborhood or a community that all get together and homeschool their kids. And this is early January. We haven't even reached the peak for Omicron, but schools are already going back to virtual classes for now. And I think parents are just sick of the seesaw, like the back and forth on this. What's even worse is that every bit of data is showing that kids aren't learning well when it comes to having to do remote, uh, working from home on Zoom. They're just not learning well. So you're going to have an entire generation of kids across the entire country who are not prepared. They, their, their math skills are terrible. Their science skills aren't there. Their reading skills aren't there. Their comprehension isn't there. And I think it's going to be a complete mess. And I, this is going to come back to bite us big. And I don't know how you fix it, but it's going to come back and it's going to be a real problem. <laughs> you, ever seen, you ever seen a movie, uh, Idiocracy? Yes. That's what's going that's exa on. That's exactly where we are freaking headed. Um, so... This leads me to my next point, this kind of frustration thing. I think Republicans are going to win back control of the House and the Senate. Uh, now, the only way this doesn't happen is if Biden and the Democrats decide to actually use this new year as an opportunity to actually show that they are indeed in control and they do have the political power because the will, the, the will of the people is with them but they're not exercising the power that they have. And so the only way things change is if they grow a pair. So as of right now, Democrats just haven't made the case to the American public that they're the ones that they're the adults in the rooms. They're the ones that are in charge, even though you have Republicans doing everything. Like I just talked about when it comes to stop the steal 
and trying to completely destroy democracy, the alternative just isn't the alternative, which is the Democrats. They're just not doing what they should be doing. All right. My next prediction, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer will not retire even though he should. And this is going to set the stage for a complete meltdown in 2023 and 2024. Now, of course, now I hate to be morbid here, but this is assuming that he doesn't fall ill or even passes away this year in 2022. Why should you care about Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer? Because the Supreme Court used to be seen as this nonpartisan branch of governor or government that was the neutral arbiter of, you know, contentious partisan issues. Right. So everything from Roe v. Wade, which is the abortion debate, uh, to lawsuits about pollution and the climate crisis. Those are all on the docket for this year. Um, but again, what I'm really worried about is what happens in 2024. If we have a repeat of Bush v. Uh, Bush v. Gore and the election results again are contested, I think 2020 showed us that you can contest an election and erode trust in the American government, and that will, and nothing happens, you're not penalized for it, and so you continue to do it again and again, and the situation gets worse and worse. So, will Breyer retire? I, again, I don't think he does, but this all matters because we are continuing to lose trust in fairness, and believe that fairness is an essential part of the American government, particularly in the courts. Uh, and if that happens, again, we are, America is no better or stronger than a lot of the other countries that we go in and we complain about and say that, oh, they're not being, uh, you know, they're not democratic. Uh, we are moving down the path of not being democratic, but we are supposed to be the adults in the room internationally on these types of issues, uh, which leads me again to my next point. I think the U.S. is going to move even closer in 2022 to becoming a multi-party system. And this is one of those things that honestly, I, I think it really needs to happen. Uh, more and more Americans are just tired of the political posturing from both parties. Um, I was Again, I was at an Uber the other day and this driver, uh, I was talking to his young guy, he was like 26. He had done two tours in Syria um, he talked about that he wasn't voting in the election this year and probably wouldn't vote in 2024 because he's like, what's the point? They don't, they don't represent me. They don't have my interest at heart. They're going to do whatever corporations and billionaires tell them to do. And so until we have a reckoning around this two-party system, and Andrew Yang has been pushing this, and I think even more people will, um, I think Americans are just going to check out. So you either make a multi-party system work or we're not going to participate. And so what happens when you don't participate? I don't know. But I do think it's fair uh, to say that politicians in Washington care more about special interests. Now, do all politicians in Washington care more about special interests? No, but that is the prevailing feeling, right? And sometimes... Um, when you feel a particular way about something, there is some truth in it. And so that's, I hope that, um, I, I, that I'm just really curious to see kind of where that goes, the multi-party system. 
All right, the last prediction, um, if you listen to the podcast, you won't be surprised by this one. More workers will strike or join or create employee unions in 2022 in response, because there's always a yin and a yang. Companies are going to accelerate their automation research and development. So a, cu- a couple episodes ago, I talked about how all these companies, employees at so many companies were either going on strike or they're trying to unionize from Amazon to Kellogg's, just, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of different companies. So with the pandemic, with low wages and with the high cost of living and inflation, folks are being pushed to the brink. And it just doesn't help when you've got billionaires running major American companies being way more focused on stuff like space tourism. I mean, yes, I love space. It's so cool. I would absolutely go if I had the resources or opportunity to. But at the end of the day, nobody cares about that when they're struggling to put food on the table or they feel like no matter how hard they work, they can't get ahead. It just doesn't matter. So I think these companies, these workers rather, are going to flip the script and they are going to prompt an entire corporate backlash when they do it. Uh, And I'm not saying the workers are wrong. I just don't trust corporate America to say, oh, yes, we'll listen to you. We'll pay you more. Yeah, they'll do that. But at the end of the day, they're going to figure out a way to do more with less. Right. And so I think you're going to see... a ton more automation, a ton more robots. I'd rather spend, if I'm a a company, I'd rather spend, you know, $200,000 on a robot that I don't have to pay any pension to. I don't have to be worried about if you're going to call out sick, like none of that. Right. And so, and then I don't have to also deal with people complaining about, oh, I'm not paying them enough and I'm not doing this and that I'm not providing a work environment that is friendly and rainbows and butterflies and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm sure you've seen the videos from like Boston Dynamics of robots. You know, their robots are doing everything from like backflips to opening doors. And Boston Dynamics knows that there is um, an audience there, that there are companies that are ready and willing to buy those products. That's why they've spent years of research and development. And I think that is exactly where we are moving to. Um, but, but at the end of it, I'm like, did y'all not watch iRobot? Am I the only one who's like, uh, yeah, I love technology, but what happens when the robots go rogue? My father tried to teach me human emotions. They are difficult. You mean you're a designer? Yes. So why'd you murder him? I did not murder Dr. Lanning. Want to explain why you were hiding at the crime scene? I was frightened. Robots don't feel fear. They don't feel anything. They don't get hungry. They don't sleep. I do. I have even had dreams. Human beings have dreams. Even dogs have dreams, but not you. You are just a machine, an imitation of life. Can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? Can you? Yeah. 
<laughs> so go back and watch iRobot and then think to yourself, okay, how do we build a society where robots and humans coexist and humans are not and humans aren't treated like crap also, right? And there's there's going to be 2022 won't technically I don't think that'll be the year for it, but I think certainly by like 2024 we're going to have to get accustomed to seeing robots in our everyday space like just in our everyday lives and how how do we as humans interact with them how do we treat them there's gonna be like this whole ethics I mean there's already ethics courses around this right at what point do you treat a robot like a human or do you not anyway that's a bit of a tangent but my point here is <laughs> workers and robots are going to clash and there will be fewer jobs for humans because those jobs will be taken up by robots. What happens when that occurs? And again, this is another plug for Andrew Yang, but he pushed this all throughout the presidential campaign. He talked a lot about this. And um, again, this is the reason why he made the case for universal basic income. So actually, uh, in Amer in Atlanta, that is starting i think this year is technically the year that they're going to start distributing the money there are two universal basic income pilot projects and this is actually occurring in atlanta and i believe six other uh, six other cities around the country so that is it that's today's show thank you so much for tuning in um if you have some interesting predictions for the year let us know put them in uh, reply to us on Twitter or an Instagram and let us know what you think is going to happen in 2022. Congratulations to our new mayor, our new city council, all those folks. I'm excited to see what this year holds. Um, I, I know there's a lot of like bad things going on in the world. A lot of concern about, are we going to be done with this stupid pandemic? I think at the end of the day, <laughs> you just got to have some optimism uh, and come into each morning hopeful uh, and ready for what the future holds. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>